from Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. With and on today's show, I go solo to talk about the Choose Your Discount sale. I'll share more about my production process and design background, why I structure the sale like this, and when it's worth it to buy a final sale. Hello, lovelies. It is Choose Your Discount sale season, and that makes me so love it for so many reasons and that's what we're going to dive into today that's what we're going to talk about I want to talk about why I structure my sale this way why the collection is a little bit different uh, what are some of the pieces you may want to try and let's dive right in so if you're someone who shops not even on a regular basis just kind of generally then you will be familiar with the schedule that most brands will follow most brands will do a minimum of two major sales a year basically at the end of every season and then they'll usually have smaller sales kind of sprinkled throughout this is when like we'll see something thrown in for like a president's day sale or whatever things like that um i do not produce my collection in seasons so it doesn't really work to do that kind of like once a season sale because I don't produce in seasons. I produce one piece at a time because I like to design intentionally. And I think that when you produce in seasons, you end up with a lot of throwaway pieces and not a fan of that. Uh, so I don't go on sale except for this once a year event, the choose your discount sale. And I actually really like the way that the collection is produced and, and with releasing one piece at a time, because I think that it, Number one allows for us to be much more mindful about, you know, do I actually need this? You know, do I actually need this in my closet? Do Is this something I will actually wear? Is this something that kind of earns its place in my wardrobe? And I think it just allows the entire collection overall to be better. Uh, it's I think it allows the entire collection and every piece in the collection to be truly perfect in the way that giant collections don't tend to be they just don't tend to lend themselves to that quite as well uh, as producing one at a time does at least in my experience and in the way that that I work so I'm actually kind of glad that this doesn't lend itself to frequent sales just because if I had to choose between sales and the super high quality product that impact fashion is I'm going for the quality every time I also I just love the idea of someone thinking twice before adding another item to their wardrobe I wish I could bring that same level of intentionality to my entire life. But for now, I'll settle for it being that way in my closet. And another reason why I do this once a year event is a big part is uh, because of how uh, my collection is manufactured. And I want to take a moment to talk about that, to talk about how uh, Impact Fashion is manufactured and how that's different from um, what you'll see typically. So if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, if you've, um, you know, heard one of my solo episodes going in depth on a specific design, you've heard me say before that I produce in the Garment Center in New York City. What you might not realize is how unusual that is for a small brand. 
Most of what is made in the garment center nowadays are one-off pieces for designer runways or small batch manufacturing. Think like 10 to 15 pieces for those same designer brands. So just to give you an idea of how this works, when, when you see a designer runway, there's usually about 75 to 100 pieces in those collections. We're talking about the major brands. And then what they will do is, is that most of those will not actually go into production. Most of those pieces kind of die right there. They're there just for the theatricality of it and everything. And then there are pieces that are going into department stores, places like Saks, Bergdorf, etc. Uh, but Bergdorf is not buying a hundred of the same gown, you know, also a big part of why those gowns cost what they do. And again, I'm talking about like designer pieces in the 15 to $20,000 range. Um, those, the, a big part of why those gowns cost what they do is because they are exclusive. Think about it. I don't want to spend that kind of money on a dress and have everybody else wearing it. So those small batch manufacturings, again, like 10 to 15 pieces, um, per garment those are made um in the new york city garment center um the types of clothes that most of us wear in our day-to-day uh have mostly been taken overseas there are of course still manufacturing facilities here in the u.s but most of them tend to not be in new york city just because new york city is really freaking expensive so those places tend to be made um in other places in the u.s there are um I know that there's a center in like South Carolina, Tennessee, like those kinds of areas. Uh, There's some garment manufacturing there. Um, And and so what you see in the garment center are the designer pieces, really. And truthfully, like how the garment center has changed over the years could be a whole other episode. Um, But what is important to note right now is that the clothes being made in New York City's garment center today are the highest quality out there. We're talking about super skilled craftspeople working on luxury designs, including impact fashion. I I can't say the names of the other brands produced at the factory that I use, but if I did, I guarantee you that you will have heard of them. An impact fashion piece is designed and patterned by me personally and then executed by the same people who produce for some of the biggest designer brands out there. It's actually a really special piece to have in your closet and it's the kind of thing that once you have it in your hands you just know you just feel that it's different I actually remember I was um with my husband shopping someplace and we were you know just whatever flipping through the racks and everything I I don't remember exactly where we were probably just you know hopped into someplace in in the city and it was it was clear that there was a difference in quality between what I was wearing, which was a piece for my collection and what we were looking at. And he actually said, he, he said, can you explain to me like what is different about what I'm looking at here? You know, I we were probably in like Zara or something and what you're wearing. And I showed him, you know, it was about fabric. It was about stitch. It was about the overall design and everything there, but it's really the whole package. It's really about all of those little details and, and having them executed perfectly that make the difference. And it's really, it's, it's really an honor to get to bring that um, at, a, at a pretty uh, attainable price point to the modest fashion world. I want to take a minute to talk about my own expertise. I am a couture trained dressmaker, seamstress, and pattern maker. You've definitely heard me say that sentence before, but you may not realize what that actually means. So let me tell you a little bit about how I got into fashion and what my education is. 
So number one, I've always loved fashion, literally since before I can remember. I've always loved clothes. I've always loved the idea of getting dressed. Always loved runways. Always loved magazines. I just, I just really like clothes. <laughs> and and uh, it was always just something that I was really, really into. I'm sewing since I'm 10. That's what my grandmother taught me to sew using her very old but still wonderfully working Elna green machine that if you're someone who sews, you'll you'll appreciate the geek out that I'm about to do right now. The the Elna straight stitch machine that my grandmother taught me to sew on was obviously not computerized in any way that it predated computerized. It predated computers, most likely. Um, when were computers invented? I don't know if it predated computers, but it was it was definitely before computerized sewing machines. And the way that you changed the sh the shape of the stitch, so it could do it could do a straight stitch, it could do a zigzag stitch, it could do a tighter zigzag stitch, and it could do a very crude blind hem stitch. It was not a great one, but it could do it. And the way that you um, changed between those stitches was with these discs that you had to switch in and out. And when you switch the disc, you needed to put it on the pin and it had to line up exactly perfectly to get it to go and make a great stitch. And there was always like this fear that it would eat whatever fabric you were doing. And that was when I got into my discipline of always testing on a scrap piece of fabric, which I still maintain for the most part to this day. So that was when I learned to sew. I was 10. I, you know, made some great stuff for a 10 year old and you just got comfortable with the machine, got comfortable with the idea of pulling things together and, and things like that. And then I just kept experimenting, really. I was self-taught up until high school. And by the time I hit high school, I could make a really good garment for myself. Um, I could follow a pattern really well. I could follow a pattern really well. And by that, I mean, like, I didn't have to check all the instructions for every single step. I had a basic idea of how things come together. Uh, and, you know, all the good, the bad and the ugly that comes with being self-taught. And starting in high school, I started taking classes at FIT, that's the Fashion Institute of Technology, um, on Sundays. They had what they called their pre-college program. I'm nearly positive that the point of that program was to like prepare you to apply to FIT. And they had all of these different tracks. So they had art classes and pattern making classes and sewing skill classes and fashion design classes and and of art history classes and, and all that kind of stuff. So starting... At some point in high school, I want to say it was maybe like 10th or 11th grade, I started every semester on Sunday going into Manhattan and taking all different classes there. I took fashion design classes. I took pattern making classes. Those were always my favorite. And then these sewing skills classes. So the way that these types of classes work is that you actually don't finish the semester with a finished garment. You finish the semester with a sample book. And it is a book of sample skills that show your proficiency in being able to perform certain just tasks basically so different types of hem finishings different types of uh, seams different types of fabrics and how you would modulate to work with them things like that and I uh, took classes at FIT all through high school loved it I think that was really then when I cemented that I don't know exactly how, but I'm going to make this my job somehow. Uh, I then, after high school, did a gap year in Israel and through a whole crazy story, ended up getting connected with somebody named Hannah Studley, who at the time was running a wedding gown rental in Nachlaot out of her apartment. And if you are not familiar with Jerusalem apartments, think of the smallest apartment you've ever seen, then divide it in half. And then I bet you Hannah's apartment was still 
significantly smaller. Um, but it was, it was so fantastic. What she did was that she had these rafters in her apartment that she used to store the dresses. So her customers would come in and they would look through her book and say, Oh, I think I would like to try that on. And then she would take it down literally from the ceiling. It was like a dress descending from heaven for people to get to try on. Uh, and I apprenticed by her. Uh, she did teach sewing classes on the side, uh, but those were mostly beginner classes. And at that point she told me basically that, you know, you're too advanced for my beginner classes. What do you want to learn? And I told her, I want to learn gowns. I want to learn gowns. I want to learn how you do what you do because she was supporting herself, um, through this gown rental. And she showed me, she showed me the business. She showed me working with customers. She showed me making custom gowns for her customers. She showed me how to do fittings, uh, not only from a, how to make the dress fit, but also from a, how to talk to someone who is, you know, very vulnerable in their, you know, sometimes in their underwear, but also just counting on you to make them look absolutely perfect, especially in her case, that was, you know, absolutely perfect on the most important day to a lot of people and, and everything that goes along with that. And I would say that the majority of my education came from that year working with Hana. And then when I came back, I started doing similar work out of my parents' house, out of the same room that I still work out of today. And I did that with uh, with two things. I, I did start doing some custom gowns, and I did make a handful of custom gowns in that way following Hannah's model. And I also did alterations. So I would be doing a lot of alterations, mostly like... Think about the kinds of things that I always tell you are not a big deal and you should bring to a seamstress when you're shopping. All those alterations I was doing. So lengthening and shortening, uh, some building up, you know, altering shoulders, taking in, tapering, letting out, making something work for the proper body type and, and all of that. All of this while I was a student at Queens College majoring in textiles and apparel. And if you're thinking Queens College, textiles and apparel, that sounds a little bit random. It is. It is very random. Uh, I was at Queens College through something called the Macaulay Honors Program. It's an honors program through CUNY. Um, and I had a significant scholarship through there. So I was just at Queens. Also, just like I was going to Queens College. I, that was just it was just a thing that was going to happen. Like that wasn't it was mo it was mostly about, you know, how I could make what I wanted to do work in Queens College more than what school am I going to to, you know, do what I want to do work. Side note, I did consider becoming a business major for a one semester and then I took one macroeconomics class and um it was not good. I hated it on a deep and soul level and thought I this is dumb. Like I'm not going to be a business major and I ended up being a business and liberal arts minor, whatever. Not important. Uh what is important is that through the same scholarship program that I was at Queens College I was able to also take classes at FIT. So Macaulay had, um, I'm forgetting what they called it. Oh, it was, it was the opportunities fund. They called it. Um, they, they, they called it the opportunities fund and it was basically money that they made available to you to just pursue other interests basically. Um, and FIT, the school that I had, um, gone to, uh, in high school, you know, the college that I had taken all of those fantastic classes at, they had a certificate program. So it was actually designed for professional development for people who, are, who were already in fashion. Um, but anyone could take the classes. And they had a certificate in couture. So I used the, um, like the money and the school hours that were given to me by Macaulay to do the couture certificate at 
FIT. Uh, now, full disclosure, I never actually finished the couture certificate because I hate fashion art and I didn't want to take those three classes. I took one of them and it was torture. And I decided that I wouldn't take the last two. And like fashion art, sketching and things like that. And I've always been someone who has maybe this very well might be just because it's not my strength. But um, I've always felt that fashion art was a little bit dumb because being able to draw something is not as impressive or exciting in my opinion as being able to actually make something and I always just focused on actually making things uh, and that is where I think my work is really set apart from others in the field because uh, in that couture certificate I did all the technical work so you're talking about high level patterning classes those same sample books that I told you about earlier really intense technical couture sample books uh, that I created over the course of the time that I was there. And I think that that sensibility comes across in the clothes. You know, I'm not someone who just likes fashion. Uh, I'm someone who knows how clothes are designed and constructed and engineered to actually fit right, which is truly the most important part. And the truth is, is that at this point, Impact Fashion is known not only for its inclusivity, which I am so beyond proud of, but for how well the garments fit across that size spectrum of 2 through 28. And that is really special to me that it's able to be not not only just be really great clothes, but to show that if you're dealing with if you're dealing with really great clothes, then your size is really not a problem. Your size is not a problem regardless, but it's easier to see your size as not a problem when the clothes are really good and when the clothes really fit. And I like to run the Choose Your Discount sale so more people can experience what it looks like to put themselves first and invest in that self-confidence. And I structure the sale this way, and we'll talk about how it's structured in a minute, because I am the biggest believer in customer experience and in choice, and I don't think it should be my call whether or not you get to return. So a peek behind the curtain for a second. The reason why most brands will run sales and they will all be final sale is because there is a cost associated with processing a return. Think about it. Even like aside from shipping costs, which are, are pretty obvious, once the return arrives back at the brand's doorstep, that box needs to be opened, it needs to be inspected, it needs to be unpacked, it needs to be put back into inventory, the refund needs to be issued, and the garment needs to be you know, made in such a way that it can be sent out to the next person. And that takes time. And that takes man hours. And man hours cost money. We pay people. That's just how it works. So for most brands, they will do a high level sale, make it final sale, and that'll be that. And the truth is, is that I don't think that it should be my call. I think that you should get the option to choose whether or not you are making a final sale purchase. Uh, but understanding that if you're not making a final sale purchase, it's going to be less of a discount because we need to account for that cost. So if you're new to the Choose Your Discount Sale, all of this is going to be confusing. So let me tell you how it works. And this year, it's actually a little bit different than I've done it in years past. There are three different sale codes. One gives you 15% off, one gives you 30% off, and one gives you 40% off. Let's do the 40% off one first. The 40% off code, and it is final sale 40, only applies to select styles that are down to the last pieces. These are 
the best prices that you will ever see on anything on my collection. Everything purchased with that code will be final sale for obvious reasons we've discussed above, and there are no exceptions. But the thing about these pieces is that some of these are the most loved pieces in the collection. Like there are snuggle dresses in this collection. There are flutter dresses, just not the black one in this collection. The, the black slip dress, which is such a loved piece. I'm so excited for whoever gets this. I mean, this amazing deal to to get to try these types of pieces. And they are all, oh, I'm, I'm scrolling through the list now, the focus dress, which is a color block dress with a black on the side and white down the middle. That is such a great piece. There are beautiful pieces that are 40% off. There's just not that many of them left. So I just need them out. And that's why they are final sale 40. For the rest of the collection, you might be wondering, is it 15% off or is it 30% off? And the answer is that that is totally up to you. That is where your choice comes in. And the only catch is that any and all purchases made with the 30% off code are final sale. So it's up to you to decide if you want a higher discount and you are willing to take the small risk that comes with final sale. And we'll talk about when I think that makes sense to do. Then you can use code final sale 30 on the rest of the collection. If you want a little bit more security, then you can use code store credit 15 and that'll give you a uh, uh, the ability to return for store credit. The collection of pieces that is, you know, available for the choose your discount for the choice between 15 or 30 is the core of the collection. It's pretty much everything on the site, um, except for the brand new hug dresses and the Ami Sorel High crew neck. I'm talking black flutter dresses that I know are going to fly. The all-American dress in the dark denim. The little ruffle dress, which is so super popular. The sculpt dress, which is a beautiful piece with this great statement bow. There are so many core collection pieces that you know and love uh, that can be up to 30% off depending on which code you use. So when should you buy final sale? When do you think it makes sense? Number one, if you're not sure about your size, email me, DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to help you figure it out. And I'll also tell you how confident I am that I got it right. And you can use that to make your decision about whether or not it makes sense to use the 15 or 30% off code. Uh, the three rules that I follow, my three golden rules for buying final sale. I have to trust the quality of the brand. It's up to you to decide if you trust the quality of the brand. I'm pretty good on this one. Number two, I know my size or there are measurements based size charts that I can use to get my size. All of that's up there. If you've ever purchased from me before, you are the same size in every single piece. Also, I'm happy to help you figure out your size in, in any item. Like I said, just email me, DM me. I'm happy to reach out. And number three, I have someone in mind I could pass it on to if I don't love. I do not want sad clothes in my closet and sad clothes are clothes that are not worn. So if I have someone in mind, a friend, a sister, a neighbor, whoever, who I think would potentially also love a piece if I don't love it, then I will also, uh, you know, that'll be kind of like my last hurdle to clear uh, between buying final sale or not. If you use the 15% off code, then your purchase can be returned for store credit within 10 days of receipt. Return shipping is still on me like it always is. And that's, that's pretty much it. So what's more important to you, the ability to return or scoring an amazing deal? Shop the Choose Your Discount Sale at impactfashionnyc.com using code FINALSALE40, FINALSALE30, or store credit 15.
The choice is up to you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the sale, shop all of the links. They are in the show notes. On last week's episode, I spoke to Pearl Zaltzman about Jewish life on campus. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 28 and currently on sale by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 20 people listed by Oragu Note as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzquit. Catch me on all the socials at impact.fashion.nyc. Here's to making an impact together.